winding down. They're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day. From local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard. To listen. And where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome. You might have heard, but there was an election last night. That election was for Bristol County Sheriff. And um, Attleboro Mayor Paul Harrell won that election uh, last night. In the wee hours of the morning, uh, he declared victory. Sheriff Hodgson, longtime incumbent, conceded. Uh, we were, I think everybody was, everybody knew it was a winnable race, but still uh, difficult to believe. And, um, we have the sheriff-elect actually on the line now, um, sheriff-elect and still Attleboro Mayor Paul Haro. Mr. Sheriff-elect? Hey, Marcus. How you doing? Good. Uh, thanks for joining me. I know you had a long day, a long couple days. Um, so you won that uh, election last night. You, you had said it was a winnable race. I mean, I, I believed you. I think a lot of people did believe you, obviously. They went and voted for you. Um, but it was still like... You know, people always saw Tom Hodgson pull it out, uh, you know, in the John Quinn race and the in the Leo Pelletier race. Um, but you were you were able to beat him. Why do you think that was? Uh, three things. Um, first, it was time for change. You know, and, you know, when a person stays too long in an office, they're eventually going to get, um, you know, voted out, it, particularly in a an executive capacity. It's just it, it does catch up to you. And, you know, I, I don't really, you know, support uh, term limits for legislative capacity because it's, you know, it's institutional knowledge that you're destroying. You know, we would know the power spread out among a lot of different people. But with yeah. executive capacity, it, it becomes an issue. So I think that was the first variable is people recognized it was time for change. Um, I, I went through the same thing five and six years ago when I ran for mayor. You know, the previous mayor was a, he was a good mayor. He was there for a long time, 14 years, second longest serving mayor. Um, but, you know, it was uh, a lot of people got tired of, you know, the uh, way he was doing things. Uh, and so it kind of, it, and the people just said it was time for change. And the same sort of thing happened here. So that was one variable. Another variable was the, uh, my volunteer base. You know, the, the, you know, the, the team I had around me, um, they were committed. They were looking at this race for a long time. Uh, they formed BCCJ back in August of 2017, I think it was. And I just learned that last night when you know, I asked, you know, some of the um, folks there. You know, so they had been working on this for over five years. If I can go ahead and complain about campaigning for 500 days because I had re-election for mayor, and then mm -hmm. I, you know, almost I went almost straight into this. Um, but you know, these guys and girls, they were working on this for you know five and a half years. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we, they were out doing the sign holdings, the door knocking, the phone banking, how, having house parties. I mean, we, we met almost every Sunday morning, you know, for our team meeting, planning out the weeks. You know, we were a really organized, uh, you know, dedicated group of, uh, you know, core team people. And then we had a group of, uh, like an army of uh, field soldiers that were out doing it. And then the third variable was, you know, it's it really is just campaign 101, but it's the candidate. You know, does the candidate have a... Uh, you know, the the right message and does the candidate have the right background? And, you know, so I, I brought those two things that resonated just enough to 
uh, squeak by. And it was, uh, yeah, it was definitely a, a challenging race. I mean, Hodgson, you know, he's, a, uh, he's, you know, well-respected in the community. A lot of people really love him. You know, they really admire him. A lot of people feel just the opposite, but he's a formidable opponent. Sure. He started with $290,000. I started with $30 in a website. Right. You know, so um, he outraised me by, I think, about $8,000 for the entire year. He raised, I think, 177000 and I've raised, I mean, I still have a little bit of money trickling in from Act Blue, but, you know, it's basically a little over 170. Um, but I had almost two to one donations. Like I had almost twice as many donations. So your detractors, so, um, people who yeah. supported the sheriff are, are, um, their gripe now is the quote-unquote dark money that's come in from the Working Families Party. And, uh, I mean, uh, in the... Bloomberg's pack, and I mean myself. You know, I'm in Fairhaven. I, I got a I got a deluge of um, of of mailers, uh, definitely from the Working Families Party. That I thought actually was pretty like a masterclass in direct mail. But um, what's your opinion on that? Well, I mean, the Republicans are getting what they asked for. You know, it was Republicans who asked for and pushed for um, Citizens United. Yeah, you know, they were the ones that really pushed for that. And, and why we. How dark is this dark money? It's coming from a group called Working Families Party, and it's coming from a group you know called uh, you know Every Town for Gun Safety. But Charlie Baker had his so-called dark money as well. You know, Charlie Baker had a pack that was supporting uh, Hodgson. I think they spent one hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars, and you know that was um, you know. But where's that pack money coming from? I mean, is that isn't that dark money too? Okay, so. Hodgson had $125,000 of dark money. I had uh, $500,000 of dark money. Neither one of us are supposed to coordinate with these outside groups. I mean, that's what Citizens United kind of determined was that money is free speech. Money is a First Amendment. And so outside groups can spend as much as they want. So in another variable is that, you know, Hodgson brought this on himself. You know, the the dark money coming in or this outside money. And what do I mean by that is that he had very, um, you know, uh, like, he built a a national profile, which gave him national attention, gave him national opposition. Exactly. Yeah. That, that's right. That, I was, I'm trying to get away from the campaign rhetoric now, you know, not saying, you know, but yeah, he, he built a national profile for himself and, you know, that came with a lot of criticism. Yeah. And so a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of money wanted to go t- into opposing him. But, yeah. you know, that's something that he brought on himself. Not every sheriff experiences that. Right. But it, it would, but he brought that on himself with his, you know, uh, his the positions he took, uh, took on things, you know, what, you know, right or wrong. I'm not judging those at this point. You know, the campaign is over. Sure. But that's kind of the reality of what happened. So, um, you know, this this so-called dark money, dark money also went into his campaign, hundred twenty-five thousand dollars, and Republicans pushed for dark money through Citizens United, and he invited this, and he he almost asked for this, encouraged it with. You know the positions he took, making himself a national figure on these, uh, you know these or, you know, d- different networks. So you know it, it's it, that's just that's you know, the reality of politics we're dealing with. Yeah, yeah. No, I I uh, I, I agree with that. Um, so have you? Um, I, I I saw Hodgson uh, concede. Uh, I think it was a video on NBC Ten, but I saw him concede and very respectfully, very professionally. You know, some people were like, oh, is he going to January 6th that thing? I think anybody that knew the sheriff personally knew that that wasn't what he was going to do. That's just not him. Uh, but um, w- w- 
have you have you spoken with him uh, at all? He did say he's looking forward to you know working with you to make sure that there's a seamless transition. And you continue continue some of the work uh, that that he's doing. Um, so uh, have you spoken with him since the results have come in since his uh, concession on uh, in front of the media? No, I haven't. I, um, I I received an email that I just got maybe, I mean, I just read it about an hour or so ago. But Jonathan Darling, um, who's working on the Hodgson, yeah. he sent that to me earlier in the afternoon. And I only saw it just like about an hour or two ago when I responded to Jonathan. I, I've got 200 emails in my private email <laughs> yeah. box. And I've got another 300 and, you know, just 350 that are work-related that I've fallen behind on. So, but, you know, the, the, the Sharp did reach out. And actually, you know what, though? Um, I, uh, this is my 10th competitive race in 10 years because I was on the ballot four times for like twice for a preliminary twice for a primary yeah. and then six times as a general election. Um, nobody, I've never had an opponent, you know, call up that night and say, Hey, you know, I concede. Congratulations. You, you get the phone call. I, I, that's actually never happened. Okay. Um, I guess it's just not how we do things down here in Bristol County. Sure. Um, but you know, I, I, but yeah, you're right. Though. I mean, it, the, the election's over. Um, I, I got nothing bad to say about Hodgson at this point. You know, that, that's that's behind us now. And um, you know, I, I, I appreciate you know the you know the, the professionalism and just saying, hey, let's have a transition and let's make it a successful transition because you know, despite our many policy differences. I do think that he cares deeply about the uh, success of the jail. Yeah, and you know, but we—I think we have a different vision of how it should be run out, and that—that's fine. We just—we just litigated that over the last year. Yeah, you know, but I—he does care. You know, I, I think he does care about it, and I think that speaks to his professionalism on the issue. But you know, it's. Um, you know, but we, we we're, we're tackling things very differently, and you know, so it's just like when I had my transition with being mayor, you know, with Kevin Dumas. Kevin Dumas invited me in. I met with the department heads before I uh, got sworn in as mayor, and um, you know, so that was uh, you know, the, you know, Kevin Dumas was very gracious, and you know, he was the second longest serving mayor in Attleboro. You know, and people felt the same way. It was time for change, and and that's why I'm only going to be sheriff for one, maybe two terms. I, w- I won't go past that because. I want to go in and implement a handful of things and then move on. I don't think it's healthy for, you know, somebody to be in an executive capacity, elected executive capacity for a long time. I just don't think it's healthy for the organization. So we're speaking with Sheriff-elect and still Attleboro Mayor uh, Paul Hero. So, um, Sheriff-elect, you are still the mayor, and I I read that you are going to remain the mayor until your swear-in date. Uh, Do you know when your swear-in date is uh, to be sheriff? We looked. I went to the elections office today, and you know, for state offices, it looks like it would be January third, Tuesday, January third. And if that's the case, my last day of being mayor would be uh, January second. And I, you know, I'll continue to do the job as mayor right up until January second. You know, this, you know, the. I haven't taken time off from being mayor or candidate, you know, in this entire calendar year. Like the only time that the city council president was acting mayor is when I actually had COVID two weeks ago. Um, That was the only time, you know, the the city council. So other than that, I've been mayor nonstop. So I will be taking about, you know, a week and a half off, um, you know, just so I can get back. Get ready. (laughs) It's a big job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's get my life back together. My house is a mess, you know, and everything fell apart. You know, of course. It's, it's, 
you know, that just happens every campaign season. Um, yeah, of course. But yeah, so that's, uh, that, that kind of comes to the territory. But you know, I look forward to that, though. And actually, I have uh, several sheriffs, uh, Peter Katusian and, uh, you know, Tompkins, um, you know, uh, Steve Tompkins have reached out to yeah. me. And actually, a number of others have as well. I haven't even responded to all of them yet. But a number of the other sheriffs have reached out. Uh, and so they've, you know, said, hey, let's, you know, how we can help and, you know, just because it, it, I do have a big learning curve. I mean, I've worked in jail. I worked in prison. I understand the issues. Um, you know, I've got management experience, but but this is a new organization and they sure. have their own culture and, you know, they, you know, the people have a, their own institutional knowledge and, you know, they, so there's a reason for everything. So I, you know, whether or not I agree with that reason is a different story, but, you know, I have to learn what those reasons are first. Well, so speaking of, uh, speaking of that, everybody, you know, usually says day one, I'm doing this day one, I'm doing that. Do you have any, you know, January 4th, you know, what are you, what are you going to start doing uh, as sheriff? Yeah, so meeting with the the staff, you know, that's the first thing, and I've said this a couple times today. It's um, articulating the expectations, and some things is uh, you know as basic as they may seem, and possibly even as insulting as they may seem. Some things that you know should go without being said, but um, I'm going to say them anyway. But day number one is, you know, we have to be able to trust each other. They have to trust me. I have to be able to trust them. You can't lie. You know, you can't lie. You can't withhold information. Can't distort information. You know, say, oh, well, you know, sheriff used to do it like this. It's, you know, it's like, well, you know, that might be fine. You know, under, but, you know, it, it's, you know, we have to be able to trust each other. If we can't trust each other, we're worthless to each other. And it's not only that, but in a, a jail situation, in corrections, it's not only worthless. It can be dangerous. You know, so you have to be able to trust each other. Um, so that's, you know, expectation number one. And you know, I won't. You know, they, like I, I don't have any reason not to be honest with them. Uh, I would presume that they wouldn't have any reason to not be honest with me. But that's sure. expectation number one. Number two, standard number two is listen. Um, listening goes both ways, just like trust. Listening goes both ways. They have to listen to me because I'm coming in with a mandate for change, and mm. you know the, the citizens have given me that mandate with a vote. But then at the same time, I also have to listen to them and respect their institutional knowledge, uh, their know-how, you know, of the organization. And that, so it's a partnership between us. You know, so I come in with a mandate for change, and you know, but they also have that institutional knowledge. So we have to partner together to implement that because I can't just come in. When I became mayor, let's just look at how I did there. When I became mayor, I didn't just go in and start changing things. Yeah. I didn't go in and just start firing people. In fact, I didn't fire anybody. Um, the uh, I mean, eventually, I you know I was I had fired some people. Ninety nine percent of them were the result of a department head saying, "Hey, Paul, this person, you know, discipline issue, been over with personnel, they need to be out of Typical here." Typical so, reason yeah, you'd some, fire somebody, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So I'm the appointing authority, so I sign off on that. But yeah, um, you know, you know, but basically, you know, I think means to start canning people. No, you go in, you you, you listen, you you have your mandate for change. But you have to figure out how to implement that into a, uh, a, a system that's already operating. Um, because I could do more harm than good by just starting to change things that I don't fully understand. Because every system is different. You know? And so sure. th there might be very good reasons for why some things are the way they are. Um, but I have to learn what those are. Maybe, maybe once I learn the reason, I don't like it, I don't agree with it, and then I say, okay, we're going to go in a different direction. But it, it would be very dangerous for me just to go in and just start 
screwing around with things because I could really, I, I could make things worse off. Well, so that's the next thing I want to uh, ask you about is when we're talking about change, there's things you want to do differently. Obviously you have a different vision for the, um, for the, uh, the Bristol County Sheriff's office than Sheriff Hodgson does the, the Sheriff Hodgson presents more of a lawman, um, you know, that's his persona. That's what he believes the job should be. You think a little differently. I know you've you've talked about this before, and I think it's a misconception that, that uh, people have said that you don't want to continue any law enforcement stuff. You've, you've said on this show that you do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, you want to continue some law enforcement stuff, but you're not you're not a you're not like a lawman kind of guy. You're more of a I would say uh, I would say a, a academic, right? And so, how are you going to adjust? You know, how, are you going to try to change the culture there? How are you going to um, adjust uh, with that, or have your staff adjust with that type of um, you know stark personality change from Sheriff Hodgson? Well, I would say it's not so much academic, it's more administrative. That I look at the role as more of an administrative role. And you're right, I've never said we're going to stop doing law enforcement stuff. I don't think the main job is law enforcement. I think the main job is uh, running a jail, which is corrections. It's slightly different than law enforcement. Law enforcement, because as, as mayor, I oversee a police department. And law enforcement is traffic stops. Uh, investigations, arrests—you um, know, the, it, it's that's what's going on outside. That's law enforcement. Now, the sheriff's office has—you know—the sheriff has limited law enforcement authority. That's true, but that is kind of a leftover from an earlier time. I mean, there, there is so, there is a law enforcement, um, you know, uh, I think wing of that. I, I've had um, I've had clients when I was attorney that were. You know that did investigations made uh, you know brought criminal complaints forward like police departments do mm-hmm. yeah sure and, and that's you know that that's why when I, i've not said that it, there's no law enforcement it's the main job i've been i've chosen my words very carefully the main job is you know corrections um you know so there there is you know some law enforcement, but that's not the main but the yeah. law enforcement in my mind should be a support uh, to local law enforcement, the local police department, state police, federal, you know, it, it help them out where they need it. That's the main, you know, that that's our support role as law enforcement. That's how I would approach it. Um, as far as, you know, like me wearing a badge, carrying a gun, I, I look at myself as an administrator. You know, that that's, I, I run an organization. Um, I run the, the, you know, city of Attleboro. I run the organization. I'm the chief executive of, of Attleboro. Um, when I worked in jail, my old boss, uh, Leon King, uh, he was the prison commissioner. He had 9,500 inmates under his authority uh, and so under his custody. And he uh, was the, the commissioner in Philadelphia was appointed by the mayor. Because, so it was the county jail, the city and county were the same thing in Philadelphia. That was run by an appointed person. And but Leon, you know, he carried a gun with him. But that was not because he viewed himself as a lawman. He was actually a lawyer. He was a civil rights lawyer who became the prison commissioner. Um, but he carried that, I think, as a matter of safety and, and personal protection. You know, because as the commissioner, if somebody wanted to try and kidnap him or you know for ransom or something, you know, uh, because of an inmate that they had detained, he wanted to be able to detain, you know, push back on that. Sure. So, but I, I just like that's. You know that's how he does things. I, I don't know if that's how I'm going to do things. Um, 
you know, I, I, you know, just that's I, like I said. I look at myself as an administrator, somebody who's running an organization, and with these different departments within that organization. And my job as the chief administrator is to help them do their job, and also to steer it. So that's that's one aspect of it, but also to steer it in the direction that I was elected to do. You know, that's that mandate for change. And um, so, so that that's how I view. We we just view the jobs very differently. Sure. And you know, so um, well. That's my next question. Is, that, is, there, is there anything that you? Like you said, you, you 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 can't doubt. I don't think you can doubt the sheriff's uh, sincerity and that the fact that he he you know what he believes what he's doing is he, he genuinely believes it's the right thing to do uh, for uh, the betterment of the of the inmates there. You obviously have different ideas about that, but is um is is there anything that immediately st- uh, stands out to you as something you'd like to continue? Uh, that Sheriff Hodgson has started an issue like you'd like to continue under his administration, or do you need to like maybe look, uh, take a closer look uh, at what's going on there before you make any decisions on that? Well, yeah, what I don't do is I don't come in and start just cutting programs or cutting positions. Right. That's just not what I do. I didn't do that as mayor. Um, you know, it, it, that's not what I'm going to do as sheriff. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, there's, uh, you know, there was a lot of talk about, oh, Paul's going to do this. And it's like, no, at first of all, I've never said that. I mean, you know, oh, he's about defunding the police. Well, as sheriff, you have no role in defunding the police. Is, yeah. You can use your bully pulpit. But, you know, that that's not what I've done in Attleboro. In Attleboro, we actually increased funding for police. We tripled yeah. the police training budget, added police officers, created a cyber unit, cyber crime unit. And, you know, we did a lot. So a lot of that was just, you know, that's just nonsense in a campaign. It's just noise. But. Yeah, he and I, we were just we're vastly different in our takes on it. But you know what, though? Here's the thing. This is also where we're different. We, we differ on whether or not it is a political position. I think unequivocally it is a political position. You're elected. It's a, it's a political position. You're a politician. He's masterful at getting away from that persona. But as politicians, you can pursue any policy area you want. That comes with the, the yeah. charge of being a politician. And so... For him to pursue the things he was pursuing, that's within his charge as a politician. And I, I can disagree with those things. And, you know, we did. And we, you know, we disagreed strongly about those things. Yeah. But, you know, that, that kind of comes with the territory. Um, it, it just is. That is what it is. So, um, you know, you, one of the things that I think you had to do uh, when you were campaigning is, every, you know, everybody up, up there knew who you were. But down here... Uh, very few people did, and so how were you able to get that name ID uh, that you 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 really needed needed down here um, to to be successful? Like in a, in, a, in a city like New Bedford, in particular, where for, I mean, you ran up the score, and I think that was a, a major reason for the margin of victory is how much you ran up the score here in New Bedford. Well, yeah, we I won by the whole race. I won by just under three thousand votes, I think. Yeah. And in New Bedford, I won with a margin of five thousand votes. Yeah. So even if I hadn't won with such a huge margin in New Bedford, I had a little bit of a buffer, although yeah. not much. Um, I had a little bit of a buffer to still win. But w- when I got into this race, before I got into this race, I had a poll done. Actually, I did three polls. I did one before I got into the race, and I did one in September, and then I did one in October, and. The poll we looked at in September was what my name recognition is um, in a lot of different capacities. And one of them was uh, Bristol County, you know, Bristol County and, and down south and, you know, throughout Bristol County. And 
my name recognition outside of Attleboro in the immediate communities was very low. I mean, yeah. we're talking, it was, it was, it was almost embarrassingly low. I mean, it might, it might've been, I don't remember if it's been about a year since we did that poll, a little, a little less than a year, cloud, but it might've been just above single digits. I mean, it was really yeah. low, Makes sense. but you know, that, that was part of my, my challenge was getting my name recognition up. And it wasn't that like, there was a lot of debate about it within my team about, do we, go on the attack, beat up Hudson, beat him up, beat him up. And I said, no, that we don't need to do that. We don't need to do that. You know, there's enough of that was being done, you know, um, you know, outside of our core team. But what my, the, the energy and the money that we had really needed to go to getting my name recognition up and increasing my name recognition. So I knocked on 12,000 doors. Most of it was down in the Southern part of the district. And, um, you know, we did a lot of, Sign holdings in the southern part of the district, door uh, door knocking the phone bank and house parties. I don't think we did any house parties up here in the northern part, but I didn't really, you know, I I, I had good name recognition up here, yeah. so that was, uh, but that that was a big challenge though, because my name recognition was really really low. I mean, it was very low down in the south. I mean, it was almost just above single digits. I think if I remember right, it was almost like it was eleven months ago we did that poll, and I haven't looked at it in a long time. Yeah, actually, uh, most people, I've been involved in internal polling in, in New Bedford in particular. Most people don't even know who their city councilors are, let alone like mayors in towns that are about 50 miles away. So, uh, oh, yeah, ab- absolutely. Yeah, that's so true because, you know, it, I, like uh, most people in Attleboro couldn't name who the town manager is in North Attleboro. Yeah. Most, you know, most people in Attleboro probably couldn't name who the, the mayor is of Pawtucket, who's yeah. been there for a long time. And he's just, he's a budding Attleboro. I mean, we, we just, there was a time when I didn't even know the name of the mayor of uh, Pawtucket. Right. Uh, Don, Don Gribbian, you know, and I know him now, but um, yeah, so it, it really is. I mean, unless you're in national politics, getting that name recognition, of, it, it's, it really is local. It doesn't really translate very far. It doesn't travel far. So, uh, Sheriff-elect Paul Haro, uh, still the mayor of Attleboro up until January 3rd, you said? And yeah, January 3rd is when I would start. I, I believe that's when the elections office and I figured out that we would assume the office of sheriff, but then January 2nd would be my last day What's, as mayor. Do you know anything about the swearing-in ceremony or where, where you get sworn in or what happens with that? No, I don't. Um, you know, and it's interesting because even when I was being sworn in as mayor, we found out that the city of Attleboro and the mayor and all of the uh, elected officials, all 24, all wrong all along. You know, they would just get the highest ranking uh, elected official to administer the oath of office and they say, okay, that's it. In fact, I remember Hodgson actually came to Attleboro, if I remember right. He, um, you know, administered the oath of office to elected officials here at one point, you know, in the last 10 years. And that was, nobody knew it, you know, nobody knew that that was actually done incorrectly. There's only four different people that are supposed to be able to administer the oath of office. The governor, lieutenant governor, secretary of state, and then there's the commissioner to qualify. It's kind of like a uh, notary or or justice of the peace. So it's like, it's what they call commissioner to qualify or their designee. So you could say it's, you know four and a half different positions. That sure. can, but those are the only people that are legally allowed to administer the oath of office. And we hadn't been doing it. You know. So that, so just like I had to learn about that process with mayor, it, I'll have to learn about that right now as um, in this new role. 
Sheriff-elect Paul Haro, uh, thank you for joining us again. I wanted to thank you for making yourself available to this uh, to this audience here. Um, and uh, you know, we talked about this. We'll we'll have you come in uh, sometime before you're sworn in to uh, to have a conversation with the audience as well. Um, so we're, I'm looking forward to that and looking forward to more conversations in the future. Congratulations. All right, thanks, Mark. Talk to you again. Yep. That was Sheriff-elect Paul Haro. Listen, I see a bunch of you guys on the line. Uh, if you want to just hold on the line, i got to take this break, and then we'll go to your calls at 508-996-0500. 1420 WBS. You guys waiting patiently. Let's go to the phones, 508-996-0500. Good evening. Hey, good evening, Marcus. Uh, great job last night. Thank you guys for doing that. Thank you. Um, yeah, I really do appreciate it. Uh, so I listened uh, to the first hour uh, when, when you had... Um, uh, uh, <clears throat> your first guest. I'm, I'm going to forget his name. He, but he. Uh, Jack Spillane. Uh, a columnist at the New Bedford you. Light. I, yeah, yes, of course. Yeah. But Jack was one. I, I enjoyed him going in. Uh, but but Jack said uh, you 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 channeled the uh, Samuel Taylor Coleridge. Did you know that? Did I? How? You you. Uh, you um, referenced Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner, which is where the oh the albatross are. around the neck, yeah yeah, 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 yeah. And I and I agreed with you. So yeah, I yeah. thought so. So what I'm getting to is yeah. I really appreciated the sh- the sheriff elect being on and giving kind of his breakdown forensically of, of how the you know what the factors were because I agreed with you. I think you know the Trump thing was bad, but but the sheriff brought up elect brought up uh, Hodgson's national. Um, prominence was a double-edged sword. It was exactly. It brought that money, and then I had it hadn't occurred to well, me. Very, very interesting. I think. Here's my thing with that. Um, you know, uh, Hodgson supported Trump, and that's you know he that's he, he liked Donald Trump. He, he campaigned. He was his national co-chair. He went to the Oval Office. He stood behind the Resolute desk, and and you know uh, gave him uh, gave him compliments. And that's what he believed in. He firmly believed in that, and that's what he did. The thing is, is he got all the bad stuff, but none of the good stuff, which would have been national money in his favor. And you know, people can't coordinate with PACs, right? But uh, the, the the rules around that are, are pretty loosey-goosey. So uh, someone else around him could have coordinated with a PAC. Uh, you know, someone that that supported him could have coordinated with a PAC. That that money, the, the, to not anticipate that money coming in, and to not, you know, put out enough antibodies to counteract it uh, is a, is definitely a, I think, a, a misstep of of the uh, of the campaign. Now that he did get Charlie Baker's pack behind him, and that definitely, that obviously was no small. That was no small number he got from Charlie Baker. If if which, uh, if if Haro's numbers are correct, which would be like a hundred thousand dollars, hundred hundred and change. What was what was the uh, what was the? Do you know what the uh, kind of the, the spending was on this uh, sheriff's race? I mean, Sheriff Hodgson spent about a couple hundred thousand in the last like month or so. I'm pretty sure, based on I think what Adam Bass told me and i'm gonna ask him later he's gonna be on how about how about about paul rose raised about a hundred and what do you say raised about a hundred and uh seventy thousand we're talking about the individual camps how about the the outside independent expenditures oh yeah okay so haro got about uh 450 ish I think in uh, wow. in outside money, yeah, in outside money, and Hodgson Hodgson got about. Uh, he said Hodgson from ba- Hodgson, uh, Baker gave him support. He said Baker gave him about a hundred a uh, hundred thousand, but um, there could have been more that came into that race if I think someone around the sheriff do you, do could have think, done something do you think, about um, it. Do you think the race was uh, outspent out on the um, on the on the uh, Haro side? 
What do you oh, mean? You know, overall. Uh, if you include independent expenditures, mm. uh, prob- he probably, I mean, Hodgson outspent him just definitely based on their, um, like the money that like in their campaign accounts, Hodgson yeah, had, yeah. Hodgson started, Hodgson started this race with two hundred ninety two hundred ninety thousand dollars right. because he had six years to fundraise because he didn't have an election in 2000. He actually, he actually, he actually had, he actually had 12, he actually had 12 years. I think it's, well, it's, I think it's good to explain to the audience that uh, Hodgson had about two hundred ninety thousand dollars to start his campaign because he had, uh, after his election with John Quinn, which was t- in 2010, he had about 12 years to fundraise. Um, but uh, but uh, I think it was uh, t- I think it was two to one um, in their individual campaign accounts. The expenditures I'd have to look more broadly, but I- I'm yeah, it'd Haru- be interesting. It'd be interesting. Haro definitely outs- uh, Haro's well, the independent expenditures for Haro were definitely more than Hodgson. So so I what I'd like to ask you, Marcus, as we go forward, and I was disappointed. You know, I was disappointed across the board yesterday. Yeah. But that's life. Um, yeah. I, it's a good way. I, of, it's I, a good I, way of looking I, at it. Yeah. Well, I do, well yeah. I do. I do wish the uh, the sheriff elect good luck. And I have a question because I is a little bit personal because I, I, I just heard a story about somebody. Can you explain to me, um, Bristol County House of Correction? Is there a maximum sentence when somebody gets a two and a half case? years? How, how long? So, so, so uh, anything that's Bristol County House of Correction, most time you can do there is two and a half years. Okay, so if somebody was uh, sentenced to a longer sentence, they would be going to a state. Anything, anything more than two and a half years is state prison time, and that gets okay. that actually that yeah, that's something that has to be indicted uh, in superior court. So that's not just being charged. Whole, it's different, an, whole different adjudication. I appreciate that, but so yeah. the so the but the, so maybe my. Uh, my uh, information, well, whatever. It's not important. What, I, what there, I'm getting at, though, what I'm, well, I'm, what I'm getting at is the uh, my personal uh, knowledge of somebody who's about to be adjudicated it might not apply to the new sheriff. But uh, this person's, uh, you know, mother was very hopeful that this time away was going to um, help with the uh, substance abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, it doesn't happen. Uh, and I, when I was, I was it's hoping that the sheriff was listening. That the hope that uh, that the people that, that he might not be in his custody, but that 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 was really important. That that, that there was something to um, be gained from this sentence and the time served. And it can, and maybe, it can. maybe it would lead to a new uh, and better. It can, but I know a more a, stable life. It can, but I've had clients that have done over a decade in prison and came out drug addicted. So it, it, it all depends on, you know, I think what circles you fall in and how you handle it. Hey, listen, I gotta, I gotta Thanks, hold you there because I gotta take a call. Five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Good evening. Yeah. Good evening. Hey, I have a, a question. Uh, I belong to the IUOK program that uh, the previous sheriff had, mm-hmm. where they make phone calls to elderly people. Sure. Um, my situation, I have no children. I live alone. And every day around 10 o'clock, I get a phone call. And it's basically, hi, Donald, how are you today? It's, sure. it's a voice. Yeah. I was just wondering if anybody thought to ask uh, the new sheriff if he intends to keep programs like that. So what he said was uh, just now he was basically saying when he comes in, he doesn't, you know, he's not going to just automatically start slashing programs indiscriminately. Uh, That, I think, sounds like a very important initiative that I, I think... 
most people would want to continue. What what I can do is just ask him, and he'll definitely yeah. be on again. He'll definitely be on again before he gets sworn in. So you right, might right. you you can have an opportunity to ask him directly. But I will ask him about the Are You Okay program, which basically um, calls seniors uh, on a regular yeah. basis. Yeah, um, I'll, uh, I'll ask him about that. In my complex alone, there's six that I know of personally that get this phone call. And like I said, if you don't have children or you're estranged from family, yeah, uh, it's nice to talk to somebody for a minute or two every day. Yeah, and that way, if you don't answer, they notify the proper proper authorities. Right. Well, so it, it's very beneficial, and I don't know, you know, what the budget would be on it or whatever, but I'd hate to see it go. So I'll, um, yeah, it sounds like a it sounds like a great program, and, and like you said, he's not going to come in and cut stuff indiscriminately. Uh, what I'll do right. is I'll ask him about it, but and I'll also give the audience I'll give you another opportunity to ask him about it uh, as well. D- definitely, if you don't get an answer in a time that, d- give me a call back. You know, give a give the okay. station a call back, and I'll I'll get an answer for you on that. All right. Thank you very much. Thank you. Have a great day. Hey, listen, I got to hit this break. Download the WBSM app and listen to us everywhere. Marcus McCarthy. South Coast Tonight is the place to react to all of the day's news and where they make some news of their own. Back to the talk now on WBSM. So referencing one of the previous calls, Rhyme of the Ancient Mariner is like a the story basically about a uh, a sailor who arbitrarily kills uh, an albatross that the rest of the crew was feeding and uh they um they they thought it was a mistake because they believed it to be a curse they learned it was a mistake uh because uh they were hit with um a series of you know unfortunate happenings and they forced the guy who shot the um shot the uh the albatross to wear the albatross around his neck i remember that story when i read it in uh in in um in high school so that's what when people say albatross or albatross around the neck that's what they're referencing the rhyme of the ancient mariner that's the rough story i haven't read it in a long time that's the rough story basically the guy kills an albatross they the Bad things happen to the crew. They believe it's a curse, and you know they they make the guy wear the out al- the dead albatross around his neck, uh, you know, to demonstrate that they believe that was the reason why they'd uh, fallen on such short luck. So, um, so the um, as far as the programs go, that sounds like a great program. The Are You Okay program. Uh, I can't speak to which program he's going to keep and not, but he did say he's not going to you know, come in and start arbitrarily cutting stuff, right? So uh, I'm sure programs that he thinks are working and working well, he'll continue. And we'll get an answer on that specific, art, the Are You Okay program um, to see, you know, and 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 we'll have him, we'll have uh, Sheriff-elect Hero on in studio to take your calls before he gets sworn in. I got to take one more break before the hour uh, ends. 
WBSM app is... We did have uh, Jack Spillane on from the New Bedford Light. He was talking about, you know, what was happening down here with this race in the southern part of the county and the election's results in the southern part of Bristol County. Uh, Adam Bass from the North uh, Star Reporter. He's from the northern part of the county. So we're going to talk about the, you know, his thoughts on this uh, this election as well and potentially uh, potentially others in, in the Commonwealth. So uh, 508-996-0500, or you can message us on the app chat and... Uh, we will see you on the other side of the, um, we'll see you on the other side of the, uh, of the nine o'clock hour, which, at which point we'll be joined, um, by Mr. Bass. So yeah, that's it. Well, that's not it. Cause I've got a, another about 10 or so seconds before the satellite kicks in. So I'm just going to talk a little bit longer until I can... Sign out.